Hello and welcome to The Ball Bags, a weekly podcast breaking down all the news from the United Rugby Championship, the NFL, the English Premier League, the NBA and the wide world of sport. Hello and thank you very much for tuning in to episode 1.15 of The Ball Bags Podcast. Again, the part-timer is uh, putting in a leave request. So he won't be with us tonight, but he may be with us Thursday evening slash Friday morning. So we have a lot to get through. Player of the weekend, as per usual. The coach is going to take us on a deep dive through culture in La Mesa. And then I'm going to have a quick look at the European Challenge Cup, or Champions Cup, sorry, ahead of the weekend's fixtures. And then we'll round things out with a little Have You Seen This from Spain. But without much further ado, I'm delighted to be joined by the coach. How are you, mate? You all good? Yeah, very good. Very good. Witnessed an incredible game at um, Goodison Park last night. Um, I thought it was great for the neutral fan to watch that one. Um, so, player of the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> nah, look, yeah, you could see it coming. Very poor performance from Arsenal. Look, hold your hands up. We were beaten by the better team in the night, um, which is probably a bigger problem in itself. But what a cracker for to win a game. In ancient yeah. time, Damari Gray has been a shining light for Everton this season, and I would say he's gone in January or maybe in the summer. I'd say summertime, I don't think he's only there. Is he there? It was just the summer gone. He's just the summer, he's gone. Yeah, so it's unlikely yeah, he goes in January. Um, Where does he go though? He is English, so there'll be loads of teams shouting out from like to add to their uh, their English contingent that they need yeah. now. So yeah, no, I think he will. Likely, and it depends on the Spurs situation. If they sell Kane in the summer, do they reinvest that money into English talent again? Um, you know, quotas and stuff like that, homegrown talent. I know it wasn't developed on the pitches in, in YR Lane or whatever, but yeah, that's someone I could see as a potential landing spot. But then, obviously, look, United and City are going to be throwing their money in the hat as is Chelsea. Um, so yeah, but uh, yeah, look. Everyone deserved to win. Next talking point. Player of the weekend. <laughs> Coach. Who is your player of the weekend and why? Um, so I have gone with Fred. Unusual. I know it's a Unusual. contentious decision for myself. But when I thought about it after the game, I watched it um and Fred's winner on his on his weaker foot. Um, great goal top left bin maybe not top left bins but he's he's re- he stretched it around and I just think he had a good all around game and I remember back to when Fred arrived at United with big enough money and when you think back he came in as an attacking midfielder slash striker and has ended up playing in the defensive midfield role so I'm just thinking a lot of people give out about Fred United fans particularly give out about Fred the way he, I don't I, see him as that I, th- I think he's He's got a I bit think of he's in I think he's in Fiorian. Like I think look at the Arsenal game. Like, but is he infuriating because of where they're playing him? Has he got like the he's, goal he's to been be played out of position? Of last from the last little while, he seems so. He he can he can do that pressing role that Firmino does for Liverpool. Mm. He can definitely do it. That one that kind of initiates it. Mm. Um, he's got the engine, and he does like he can obviously strike a ball and he can score as well. Like mm. but he's never got the opportunity to do mm. so. Fair. It's kind of just holding the two fingers up to the United fans, going, "Lads, you, look, there could be worse out there. You've you've played him out of position. Like, 
Couldn't call you it know. a cheap controversy without saying like that. Um, yeah, look, maybe it could be rejuvenated under Ralph. Um, in this gang of pressing or whatever you call it. Um, but yeah. You know, I Yourself? I Look, I, I'm, I'm on to a loser with this one because I, I doubt an awful lot of people tuned in. But... Probably the pick of the games in the in the URC this weekend. Um, Osprey played Ulster Saturday. That was a very good game. And Garrett Anscombe, probably been the star man for the Ospreys this season. Just thought he was he was brilliant. Just controlled the game. Also, were heavily tipped for that. Um, especially after the Ospreys being hammered by Connacht. Um, it's been an interesting season in the URC. There's been some unusual results. Like obviously Ulster off the top of beating Leinster in Dublin. And beating them convincingly too. So, yeah, look, um, an unpredictable league is probably what we've maybe longed for here, even if it is to the, obviously we're both Leinster men, but even if it is to the detriment of Leinster, a more even league is, is kind of more welcome, I suppose. So, I just said I'd throw Garlanskim into the hat, but I don't know if you have any other recommendations or any other... Um, I know from what we said to watch on the weekend and I don't know if anyone tuned in but the Formula 1 on Sunday evening oh my god probably okay granted due to you know Netflix we probably no one's really watched it in 10 years but like it was an incredible finish with um, Max Verstappen and Hamilton a couple of instances throughout the race where they you know battling for pole position there was penalties award and all that sort of stuff but my god it's gone into the final weekend neck and neck yeah, it's definitely gonna be on the one to watch this week. And given having a preview now, it's definitely gonna be on it. It's um, one so of those. if you were to, it's one of those things. If you were to pick one of them, you know, Verstappen got ahead of Hamilton for a lot of the race after starting in second, and then Hamilton overtook and and, and won the race. So, you, as much as I hate Hamilton, I really don't like him. He was probably a player of the weekend in terms of getting those vitally needed points and going to making the it go to the final weekend now so be incredible uh, to watch Sunday evening when I arrive back from Liverpool bit of a head on me um, <laughs> it's, a, it's an evening race I think I think it might be a half seven start something like that so yeah be nice to get pizza in <laughs> uh, pizza and antigen test uh, <laughs> speaking of the picks the weekend that's just suppose kind of just jog memory there as well Alabama that Crucial win over Georgia. Um, Georgia were heavy, heavy favourites. Alabama were in a rebuild. The last time, kind of, just an interesting statistic, the last three times Alabama have been the underdog, um, they've won all games by 17 points. So, look, maybe Bryce Young, a quarterback for Alabama, he um, probably is now, because it's kind of a poor draft class, it probably cemented himself as maybe the first quarterback to be picked this year. Um Incredible performance. They will now move on to play Cincinnati in the top four with um, Michigan going on to play Georgia. So, yeah, interesting. interesting. Michigan-Georgia be a, a great one. Yeah, you'd, you'd think so. Michigan on a bit of a roll after beating Ohio for the first time in, I think it's 17 years or something like that. So Yeah, incredible scenes. Scenes on toast. Scenes. So, look, if we have to pick one, I can't believe we're doing this, but is it Fred? Oh Jesus! You regret now. See, you'll regret now picking that as a player because. Oh, what did Salah do last year? <laughs> Bugger all, Divock. I'm surprised Divock didn't get it. Uh, cult hero that is Divock Origi. 
Oh, look, young. if the other lad was here, it'd be Fred, wouldn't it? So we'll go with Fred. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. He probably toppled, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so moving on, main segment in partnership with The Athletic. Click the link in the podcast description, get a month free, or look, it's coming to Christmas. If you have a last-minute gift you need to get sorted for the sports lover in your, in your life, I think there's annual deals going for something like $12.99 at present, and you can just tell them, look, that you was worth 40 quid, and you'll get the value out of it. So click the link yeah. in the podcast description for more information. Um, so coach first and foremost it's a nice segue there uh, Sass because actually what sparked my juices on this topic was actually an article in The Athletic um, there's a fantastic article entitled Xavi Gets Tough Basic Hotels Communal Meals Early Arrivals Demanded by the Barcelona New Head Coach and that is written by Dermot Corrigan um, so it's, it's, it is really a, a great read if anyone was interested in Barcelona and everything that goes on there and that has gone on over the last few months since Xavi um, has taken over but I suppose with my topic I want to know is Xavi recently enforcing a set of first team rules and revealing the culture of Barcelona had been lost in the past few years while, his, while he had obviously not been there um, I want to know with the saying culture beats rules is that true even in the modern game and what I suppose has sparked me on with this is that as I just mentioned, Xavi came in and, and people might remember we did a small segment on Barcelona a few weeks ago around at that, that, that time. And um, Xavi came in and li- it was literally the next day he came in with a, a set of 10 new rules that players had to follow. And it was stuff like arriving 90 minutes before training sessions. Um, it was compulsory for the players to eat together um, in the training ground instead of you know optional times or at their own convenience. There was fines for, I think, misbehaviour, if you want to call it that. Um, I think a couple of things that stand out with that was they were they were getting fined for unauthorized trips for business or um, participation in any sports activities that involved risk or injury. And they're just two that stand out for me right now. At just after that, um, PK was pictured on the international break surfing with um, you know herself, um, the one with the hips, and um, I think Ricky Pig was out on an electric scooter in Barcelona, um in the city centre picture as well so two things that typically you know footballers probably shouldn't do in the season and so there are just a couple of things that, that stand out I know Osman Dembele was another one who has picked up I think he's picked up a few fines since um, Javi's arrived but yeah I suppose I want to know is is does culture still beat rules um, just the way footballers are going now uh, maybe we do need to put a little more constraints on what they're doing when they're doing it yeah, so I suppose cult, the, the key difference with culture and rules, I suppose, is culture happens organically and rules are kind of imposed. It's kind of a more autocratic style of coaching as opposed to like a laissez-faire or democratic style of coaching or whatever. But culture, I suppose, is, is the key aspect is respect. And that's kind of one of the things Xavi kind of has up his sleeve is that he will forever be respected in Barcelona. Um, so he sets these rules. It's If the players follow them, it becomes culture. Do you know what I mean? But if mm. they don't really respect them, they're just rules. And given the salaries they're on, oh, it's a fine. Yeah, grand, I pay that. I don't worry. Like, players may actively like break the rules, pay the fine to show how little of an impact it has. Like, you would have imagined that Ollie would have brought in an aspect of the culture in Old Trafford during his time under Alex Ferguson. But that didn't seem to be the case. 
I think and it's the key aspect I think you're right respect. yeah and I don't think he had the respect I think you need a strong character there that drives culture so let's just say it was Roy Keane he may not have got the results but I think he would have driven culture if that makes sense without having to put any rules in, the, in place if you look at the Xavi situation he's bringing back coaching staff that were there while he was there um, he's bringing Ivan Torres who is a, actually a friend of his but he's had at Al Saad and stuff like that he's brought it's the same goalkeeping coach when he was there he's making a couple little you know it was Danny Alves he's obviously signed rumours he's gone for one or two other players that he's played with at Barcelona um, so I think what he's trying to do is because Barcelona was always a cultural club let's you know back in you know, playing finals at night and so up until about 2012 they were you know the players that were there you would imagine were driving each other on culturally but it seems because the players are so young I think they're Barcelona are the third youngest team at top level in Europe this year with with their age range so maybe it is a case of those players that are 18, 19, 20 do need rules to build a culture and then like it's probably something they could wave away in two seasons time the the thing to, too as well is, is probably if you look at kind of Barca historically that culture was driven from players who'd come through the system and, and were Correct. natives of the Basque region let's just say um, the Cat Catalan region and that's a unique part of the world that they're also proud to be from Catalonia and Barca is kind of a, a key symbol of that area so at the stage Barca are right now it's probably less and less players have come through the academy right now of of an age say of a senior mm -hmm. player so that's probably where the culture has been lost I suppose you're, you're right to an extent of he maybe he has had to introduce the rules to set the culture yeah like I'm, I'm just thinking if you think of some of the best ever sports teams across the board you think of um the Boston Celtics when they won their titles you would have to say that's probably a culture thing there whereas Man United with Ferguson was definitely a rules thing you, you knew you know there were, you read autobiography or whatever it was always rules it was always yeah. fines money wasn't as significant then as it is now um, so it made if they got fined it probably made a difference in their weekly wage or they probably noticed it a little yeah. bit more particularly in the 90s um, you know the All Blacks naturally it well, seems to be a more cultural thing I always the Bulls it. is one with Jordan I wasn't sure I know we, if you watch that's um, talent that, though that's it is it is talent but and I know that you know they let Robin go on his blitz in Vegas then a couple of nights and I know that the last dance focuses on a period of time or whatever but I would have said the Bulls was probably more it's a different culture it is a different culture it's a more laissez-faire culture like I suppose the key the key point I'd say on culture and I think I've said this before on maybe an alternative one but if you ever want to understand what culture is all about so the All Blacks lost in 2007 World Cup quarterfinal to France in the Millennium Stadium they were like heavy favourites they'd ripped the groups group stages apart and they kind of were just like at this stage they were like look we've been the best side in world rugby we haven't won a world rugby world cup since the first rugby world cup in 1987 we've been favourites in 1991 favourites in 1995 favourites in 1999 etc 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 and we've, we've failed at all the hurdles so, so what's going on and they brought a they brought a specialist in and he kind of was he'd worked with kind of big organisations in terms of setting culture so he reviewed them for basically three months and he, he turned around and he was like to me sports culture is one of three things he said 
The first one is Space Mountain, which is the ride in Disneyland Paris, when it's been. It's up and it's down, but it's dark and no one knows why that's happening. And he said, that's low-level professional sports and professional amateur. He said, the next one is White River Rafting. You're up and you're down, but you can see where the pitfalls are and how to counteract them. And you're in control, but you're never too much in control. And the third one is America's Cup. It's the best of equipment. It's the best of athletes. And it's just hell for leather on the day. Whoever wins, wins because they're the best prepared, best uh, stocked. He said, you are America's Cup, but you need to be White River rafting. And they were like a bit taken aback and they were like, why? He's like, so there was a culture in the All Blacks where they'd wake up in the morning of a game day. Say they were playing in South Africa and they were flying out to Australia that day. They'd wake up, they'd walk down for breakfast and they wouldn't come back upstairs. They'd just have their breakfast, get on the bus. They'd have a team to go upstairs, pack all their bags, fly the bags to the next destination and unpack them in their room for them, ready for them to arrive. And basically what they kind of said was that the players were too pampered and if anything went wrong, as if the flights got delayed, they lost their luggage, they didn't know how to handle it because it, it had run so smoothly for so long. So it's all about, the, the all racks of this mansion out of cleaning the dressing room, cleaning the sheds. So you kind of just, you're a little less pampered and you yeah. just roll with the punches. And that translates to how things work on the field. And in a sporting context, it is kind of huge. It's kind of gone on now to NRL kind of circles and stuff like that. And I definitely think it changes, though. Like, see, with the All Blacks yeah, and, and international football as well, to a degree, like, it definitely has to be a cultural thing because you're not getting paid. So, like, I'm, yeah. okay, you're getting your paid, but you're not getting your salary. Like, um, So it probably changes a little bit. Like, if you look at the likes of Neymar, PSG, like, that seems like a place that probably should have rules. You know, you know, we know this thing about Neymar going to his sister's birthday every year. And that's that's how everywhere. And <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But I think the more money that's involved, the more you, you might need rules as opposed to culture. Um, the way that seems to be the way it's going, it's, it's a little bit like, I'm sure we all look at, you know, our, our favourite teams, our footballers, our, you know, sports stars. Like, um, like the Man City group with the United Brazilian players and the Liverpool Brazilian players always flying back from South America together. And it, it irks us. But, I mean, I assume the rule is for them all to be on that flight. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? They have to be on that flight. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Look, I think I suppose is it Laszlo's hierarchy of needs and stuff. And I suppose yes, when you yes. when you've accumulated generational wealth in your life and money no longer has a meaning, is it a little bit easier to say? Do you know what? If I don't win seven Ballon d'Ors, does it really matter when my great great grandkids don't have to work? Like, is there just too much money in professional sports to ever truly drive the culture of the past? Like, like who has it right now? Great question. I think Patriots probably. Yeah, yeah. It's maybe we need to look at culture in a different aspect. Do you know what I mean? Like the culture of the organization. It might not be reflected in like the culture of the squad. Do you know what I mean? So if you don't meet the culture standards, regardless of how good you are, you're gone. Well, if you look at, I know before we came on air, you were talking about Divock Origi's goal. Surely that is evidence of an unbelievable culture within that squad. I think that's just who he is, though. Like, I think... Yeah. He He's a big awkward scene next Tuesday. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And as I've always been told, I'd rather be a big awkward see you next Tuesday than a small awkward see you next Tuesday. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But... Steve Akarigi and 
Neil Empoy uh, just loves scoring goals in injury time well there is that yeah but I don't know who out there has it at the moment it's a great question like look from the outside in you'd have to say the Chicago Bulls look like they have an unbelievable culture and that's why they're doing so well I don't know if that's culture I don't know if that's culture I don't know if you can say after like the early start of the season because of a good start that they have a culture because the culture hasn't been there for the last decade but could you not say that they're playing for each other at the moment that's just like, a good squad like, and that's that's young players yeah. and that's but that's culture is what happens when everything goes wrong yeah do you know what I mean the culture's not like oh we've this hot start I'm playing with Demar Lonzo's playing out of his skin we have the GOAT um, we have uh, Zach Levine who's always been good like mm. I don't know if you can say that's culture. Just like maybe you're right, um, and, and but and time will show us that it is. But culture, I think, is more of a long term thing. And I, I think probably the only one I could actually stick a pin in and say they have a good culture right now. Whether good is in it's it's to the betterment of the players and like that. But I think the Patriots, to be fair, that's a very quick turnaround from losing Tom Brady to now being back on the back of a pandemic, back into playoff contention. I think that that speaks to good culture. Yeah, it's not a working culture. Yeah, yeah, it's not about going down. It's about how hard you can get back up, type of thing. Very inspirational. How fast you can get back up, or for a wet Tuesday, whatever way you put it. (laughs) But um, yeah, look, it's just one of those things I've been reading about for the last while, and find very interesting that performance culture and that type of thing. So yeah, look, if anyone gets a chance to read it, the article's on the Athletic. Um, as I said. Um, and look zero cost all you gotta do is click the link in the podcast description yes and, sir uh, you can read it for free man best journalist in the world anyway um, ready to move on yeah go yeah, for it go, okay so I suppose any rugby fans or even general sports fans would be definitely aware of this so the Champions Cup returns to our screens this week Um similar to last year it's a it's two big pools effectively it's that system so it's two 12 team pool, pools pool A and pool B in terms of Irish fixtures this weekend just to get them out there Leinster play Bath on Saturday Claremont uh, face Ulster Connacht make the trip to Stad on Sunday uh, that might be in the race grounds I could be wrong that and Wasps Munster as everyone's probably aware especially in this part of the world is the emergence of the Omicron virus and the URC side stranded in South Africa so European rugby have, have kind of been quite staunchness in saying they would not allow postponement of any of these fixtures Munster Cardiff and Clinetley were the sides most affected they had to stay longest because of positive cases Zebra managed to just get out um, so they're okay but the reason I kind of want to bring this up is the Scarlets have actually forfeited their game against Bristol um, on Monday so we have our first win and our first loss of the Champions Cup this season before a ball has been kicked in anger their reasons for cancelling the game they said is due to player welfare so the players due to play on Sunday would actually have finished their quarantine on the Saturday but the Scarlets have decided that selecting any of those 32 players would pose a physical risk to them a, because of their period of isolation and because they haven't played since October 22nd. And as a club, we have a duty of care to our players. Looking at the Munster and Cardiff squads, they're more heavily impacted. Munster a little bit less and Cardiff by far the most. So 
all of Cardiff's squad will not have finished their isolation before their fixture this weekend. So they are literally putting out their academy squad. So Judy Care probably there is a bit a bit interesting. They're, they're facing off against Toulouse. Um, Munster will obviously play against Wasps. They haven't yet announced a squad, but there's a potential that some of the Irish players who will play in November internationals are free to play because they'll finish up their quarantine. So I'm just kind of wondering, reading into this, and the the, the reason given by Clannettenly, given the smaller structure this year, I think it is due to revert back next year. Is European Cup rugby beginning to lose its appeal? And is that a reach? <laughs> it, it it seems it seems very Premier League side in the league club, league cup. Yeah, yeah. Like, you you're not wrong in what you're saying. That it's I think people don't really give a shit anymore until it gets to the later rounds because there isn't upsets as such in European mm-hmm. Cup rugby. Um, like seeing there, Munster to register twenty two new players. For yeah. That that's the the latest headline, you know. They're gonna they're they think Munster are a funny one, right? Munster could potentially go and win this. They, if they include a couple of the Irish internationals within that sprinkled in, like Wasps haven't been, you know, they're not the Wasps of ten years ago, um, playing out of Coventry. You know what I mean? So they're still playing in Coventry. Um, yeah. So I mean, Munster could potentially go, and if they do go and do it, it'll be one of these ball black stories, and we won't hear the rest of it for forty seven years or something like that. Like it'll be gone on to be plays about it and everything, and like I, I just feel with the the Welsh clubs. Are are very very close to the line of falling out of interest of people's minds. Um, I think they haven't really done anything as of late to, you know, put a spark up their behinds well, to, look, to win something. Fi- to, fis- fiscally for the regions and for Welsh rugby, the the regions project has been a disaster. People haven't bought into it in Wales because. You've married like regions that generally have a natural rivalry, like the neat Swansea Ospreys. So you've like you've neat Portal, but Swansea who are joined up now, and they would have had tremendous rivalries through the history of Welsh rugby. So you kind of haven't got the buy-in from the the local fans, and it's still yet to be clarified. But the 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 salary cap in the old Pro 14 would have fluctuated country to country, which is never really good for a league. And the Welsh regions with the, with the lowest salary caps in kind of Europe, so there's reasons to that. Obviously, they produce an awful lot of natural talent, but then you've got to ask the question as to why so much of their top level talent actually plays in the Premiership, the Gala Premiership, that is. Mm, yeah, like I just think Wales are falling into the category of the Italian teams, and they're doing it very, very fast. Like the Italian teams are definitely getting better, and I think that has been one thing uh, from the URC that's really. I think they're really stepped One up. of them is. One of them is. Like, yeah, the, okay. Ospre- the Ospreys are fourth. I know Cardiff are ninth, Scarlet are eleventh. But, like, Bennett are eighth. So, the top four is Leinster, Edinburgh, Ulster, Ospreys in the URC. So, like, there is still, like, hope for the, the regions. I wouldn't say they're falling to the level of Zebra where five wins, zero wins, or five games, zero wins, and a points differential of minus 109 points yeah so are, so Cardiff and Scarlets 
are, are currently in the same situation, just Cardiff have more players. No, no Cardiff, more? Cardiff seem like... They seem like they're in a worse situation. They're in a worse situation, but they've said, like, basically, come hell or high water, we're playing this fixture. Yeah. Where is the scare? I'd love to know the I'd love to know the average age of the player that's going to be playing. Um, six for Cardiff. <laughs> yeah, six, and I get happy meals after. Um, it's just you're you're right. Like this is gonna be ugly. Like like I do think it's kind of it's it's the structure as as well as anything. Like it's two twelve. Like you have to feel sorry for him though. Yeah, absolutely. It's two twelve team pools, and you've got four games against random sides in the pool. So no, sorry, it's it's a home and away against two sides in the pool. So mm. it's just it's not reflective of the old style in which like you always had a chance, and the old Heineken Cup, the classic Heineken Cup, um, Champions League style, Champions League style, and and you get a you get a side every year that was just out of nowhere. Do you know that sort of a way? Just, yeah, look, I think I think maybe a lot of domestic sides are kind of looking at look, the, the Gallagher Premiership is probably stronger than it, than it has been in, in recent years. Top 14 is as strong as ever and I know I keep banging the drum for it but I do think there is a bit of excitement in domestic rugby in these parts about the URC. Mm-hmm. Look, maybe it hasn't and look, it's probably been a bit, bit of an unmitigated disaster for them in terms of the COVID fiasco you finally get to have fixtures involving Northern Hemisphere teams in South Africa and then the emergence of a new COVID variant like once in a lifetime thing goes against them but do you think sides are generally optimistic about this still? So I think yeah look we, it could be we could be looking at I know we spoke about it a few months ago we could be looking at URC trying to get the French teams involved and trying to get if they, if they really wanted to push it on I've no doubt that Jay Z doesn't have the money in Safoka. Um but for my Miami club that's in the pocket. Um but yeah, look it's 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 effectively Card and Scarlet's done with European rugby this year. Yeah. Along with Munster. If Munster get a loss this weekend, like you know, I get a loss this weekend, they're losing their coaching staff, they're they don't really have anything going. Yeah, but like well, the potential replacement for Johan van Graam is a potential exciting one. It's Brendan Mullins. A lot of people go, who? But he is the former Munster player, scrum half, and he is the offensive coach at La Rochelle. And we all remember the rugby they played last year. So, Who was responsible like, for that? Well, it, is it the attacking <laughs> coach or is it just one man? Like, Are we literally saying just one man is is the attack? Like, the genius? No. Like, you've got to... If you're coming from the same coaching tree, there's a bit there. But like the only thing I'd say in Munster's defence, they play Wasps and they play Cast, home and away. So if they can get over the Wasp fixture, even if they lose and get a losing bonus point, there's still an opportunity for them. Yeah, how do you park the bus in uh, rugby? <laughs> you don't. You just <laughs> you play old Munster rugby. You put it up the up the jump the duff. Um. Yeah, I I I do feel bad for him because. I just think they should have been more done to try and facilitate these fixtures later in the year. I know there's nowhere they can really fit, but there might have been an opportunity. Ugh, I don't know. I don't know where you would have put it. Uh, would they have or, given them the option to spread the points as a draw, but then the other team's not going to take it? Or 
like well, like generally speaking, rugby is a good gentlemanly sport. Gentlemanly sport. So like, do you give them the opportunity to say, right, well, look, once you're playing wasps in in Coventry in the Rico, so what we'll do is, if you want to postpone it, you can, but we're playing one fixture in the Rico. Winner takes double points. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So the home side will go, well, look, we get we get a chance to win all points at home instead of having to travel to Tormund in January after the Christmas. But, yeah, of course you take it. But look, uh, yeah, look. It's, it's just, I think the Heineken Cup, or the European Cup, I think this year... It, <laughs> There's I, a bit I, of pansies. Just play twice a week. Fly them over on a Wednesday. Done. Yeah. Spread your squad. Play... You know, seven and eight, seven academy players, eight seniors, and then swap them around the following week. Done. Playing a Wednesday. Get over yourselves. Overplaying. Overplaying. Stop. Good Lord. You used to play twice a week in seniors. In senior schools, rugby. Leinster schools, rugby. You play Wednesday, Saturday. Oh, Come Lord. on. Here we go. Bang on the drum. Harry Maguire. Come on. <laughs> I think I'll park that there because you've disgusted rugby fans up and down the length and breadth of the country. Um, but look, I suppose it's 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 a sharp short one this week. So one last segment in association with our good pals, USA Sports UK Again, there's a link in the description. I don't know why you haven't clicked it. Get that last minute purchase for Christmas. Coach, have you seen this? Yes, sir. Have you seen this? Um, or have you seen this this week? Shoots back to. La Liga in Spain where Ego Aspas the Liverpool I don't know if you Failure. call him legend Failure <laughs> Failure the Premier League but he does, he's good in, in the league he plays for Celta Vigo now and he has been within the top three scores for the last three possibly even four seasons I'm going to say he's, he's been in top three top five scores he scored against Valencia um, the other night um, I'm going to say it was actually I think it might have been last night um, no, a scored late. a goal Aspas went into the game carrying a knock and as he scored the goal he re aggravated aggravated um, that knock scores the goal and as he's lying on the ground um, in a little bit of pain he takes off his jersey um, the reason for this Sasquatch is he's taking off his jersey because he's actually carrying uh, a yellow card uh, to his, he, was, he was carrying a couple of yellow cards um, and needed the extra yellow card to be ruled out with the next game vis-a-vis say V, he will now sit his suspension during his time injured so he all got into the game he obviously knew he was going to be out for a couple of games and then he just get through the game so he takes his shirt off while on the ground injured after scoring the goal so as that he would be booked um, and he would miss the game while being injured so is this King Shishousery or is it it's very, absolutely very ingenious it's incredible kind of awareness of look obviously he knew going into the game look I have a booking but having re-injured himself he had the quickness of thought to say do you know what when I get booked he obviously got into the book saying into the game saying don't get booked out of interest yeah. who is the fixture is it, is it a key fixture or um if you buy some time for me I will tell you well but it's a great great point make sure to click those links once more and look actually while I'm am buying some time why not throw it out there if you like the podcast make sure to give it a like give it a subscribe even leave a review because whatever way it works it just runs the algorithms and it boosts us up so every little helps 
So Igo Aspas's next game is against Mallorca away. We're on a bit of a, a little bit of a streak. They actually beat Atletico Madrid on the weekend. Um, Mallorca. We might delve into that one week. He is actually owned by Stuart Holden and Brooklyn Nets head coach Sass. Who is it? It is Stephen Nash. Stephen Nash. It is Stephen Nash and. I don't think anyone calls uh, him Steve except his mother. Steve Nash and Stuart Holden actually own Real Mallorca now. So, yeah, it would have been an away game to um, Real Mallorca for Aspas. So, although that's probably the sunniest part of Spain at the moment. But anyway, <laughs> he's missing that one. And he looks like if, if he makes next game, which I doubt he'll play in, so he's probably going to take two games out, is actually Andorra away in the Copa del Rey. And Andorra, owned by Barcelona player, Gerard Piquet. Correct. Um <laughs> So, yeah, all things considered, Aspas will probably be back to play against Espanyol on the 17th of December at home. With, a um, with, with the ability to get as many bookings as he wants, provided he doesn't get two in the same game. Correct. Aspas, a great a great player over in La Liga. As I said, I've said it before, just not I, as strong, is it? Like, am I right in saying he came from Celta Vigo to Liverpool correct. and went back? Correct. So he must be He's a Celta he Vigo one. yeah. He's hot shit over there. Ah, do do. I know a couple. A couple of uh, clubs did try to sign him. I think. You, I think you might even be linked with Barca after Liverpool. Uh, surely after be linked with Newcastle in the summer. He will surely be linked with Newcastle. Look, I thought he was like a character. I'm shame he didn't. It he didn't work out. Six from, months. Uh, as as felt like fit, he said felt like six months. He lasted. Oh, it, I think it was the corner he gave away against. He he was taking a corner at Chelsea and literally passed the ball to. Uh, Pedro Ferreira or whoever it was at the it's time not, it's not like a Liverpool legend to to make a stuff up against Chelsea to cost Liverpool he actually went on loan to Sevilla while he was at Liverpool for 16 games but yeah you're correct started his career at Zelda 95 still there today it's 95 yes how old is he oh that's obviously the youth uh, he's 34 mm, still right yeah anything else to add before we sojourn um, no, that that's it from me, um, Sasquatch. Okay, well, as the fella says, thank you and good night. <laughs>